0: hey y'all it's janice here aka j nice on the mic and this is dirty diversity a podcast on all things diversity equity and inclusion this podcast is called dirty diversity because in this day and age diversity has become sort of a dirty or bad word that causes a lot of knee-jerk and negative reactions The goal of this podcast is to dissect diversity, or lack thereof, inside and outside of companies, and also to discuss current events around equity and inclusion, as well as discussing solutions for creating a more cohesive world and workplace. My name is Janice, AKA J Nice on the mic. (laughs) That was and still is my moniker on YouTube. Some of you may know I started a YouTube channel almost 10 years ago to discuss topics around race and Black identity, and it seemed to really resonate with my audience. I'm also a TEDx speaker, a professor, a diversity and inclusion consultant, and a writer with a PhD in organizational psychology. Welcome to Dirty Diversity, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic, back with another episode of Dirty Diversity. How are you all doing? We are into the first week of May. Actually, I think last week was the first episode in May, but this is the first solo episode in May. Last week was a, an interview with my colleague and friend, Candice Parish, Dr. Candice Parrish. This week things are a little bit somber. Um, just given the recent events. Uh to, so today's episode is gonna be focused on allyship and how to be an ally during times of tragedy. By now, at the time that you're listening to this, I'm sure. If you live within the United States, you should have heard about the story. If you live outside of the United States, I'm assuming maybe you have heard about the story, maybe you haven't. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Ahmad Arbery and... The video that went viral this past week, so just to give a really, really brief synopsis for those of you who are un- completely unaware of who Ahmad Arbery is, he was a 25-year-old black male who lived in Georgia. He went for his daily run, and while he was running, he was approached and victimized by two white males, a father and son. They ended up shooting him and killing him. And so this is something, an incident that happened at the end of February, February 25th, I believe. And no arrests were made up until this week when the video went viral. So literally like two and a half months later is when they made the arrests. And for me, what's, what's, upsetting about this situation is that they, without the video, they weren't probably going to arrest these two men. Um, they arrested these two men. And I saw a a meme on Instagram that said, um, just remember that they didn't arrest them because they saw the video. They arrested these men because we saw the video. So, I mean, just points to not that Many of us who are people of color living in America needed more evidence, but it just provides more evidence that our justice system in the United States is severely flawed, and there are systemic inequities that definitely need to be addressed. And I personally didn't watch the video. I'm hypersensitive to things like this. I don't like seeing videos of violence and especially not violence of black people, which I think that we have kind of normalized and we've gotten used to seeing videos of black trauma. I personally again didn't watch the video, but I read a couple of articles about what happened and I, you know, I read an, a a really well-written piece by Charles Blow. Of the New York Times, and I'll leave it in the show notes in case you wanted to read it. It's just kind of like a very objective synopsis of what happened. And Charles Blow is a really talented writer uh, and speaker. Um, and yeah, I mean, so the focus of today's episode is on during times of tragedy, such as what we have experienced, how to be an effective ally. And the the inspiration for this episode is because I I wrote I recently wrote an article which I will also leave in the show notes about this topic and I it's interesting because someone on my LinkedIn connections list posed this question to her black friends, family colleagues. Um, Uh, just anyone black, she knew she was a white presenting woman. I'm not sure what her race was, but I'm going to assume she was white. She looked white. And she wrote on LinkedIn and she said, how can I be there for you as a black person? And I thought that, you know, and I explained to her, this is really interesting that you're um, posing this question because I'm working on an article about the same topic uh, right now. So, you know, I gave my my feelings and I thought that it was necessary to share this in an episode. Before we get started on the episode, I just want to say thank you all for those of you who continue to listen. It means... the world to me to have your ears. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to listen to this podcast. And I really do appreciate that. And if you haven't already, it would mean the world to me that you would take a second to just rate and review the podcast. It helps other people to find the Dirty Diversity Podcast. So it would mean a lot to me if you were able to do that. So let's get into episode, I think we're at episode 14 now. Uh, Maybe we're even at episode 15. Wow. We've been breezing through, and I'm really happy that I've been able to stick to my commitment of recording and uploading new episodes every Monday. So um, without further ado, let's get into this episode. So... I think that it's a really important question to ponder on, especially if you consider yourself an ally. If you consider yourself to be an ally and an advocate and you are in the diversity, equity, belonging, and inclusion space, it compels you to speak up and speak out and to use your privilege and your power uh, to impact change. And I think that when you take on the title of an ally that comes with great power comes great responsibility. And, and so we're just going to talk about ways that, and again, this is me personally, Janice, this is how I feel about how you can be an ally to your black colleagues when tragedies like what happened with Ahmaud Arbery happens, whether it's Ahmaud or Trayvon or Michael Brown, or Sandra Bland, or, you know, and we could keep going on and on and on, Freddie Gray. Um, How can you be an ally for your colleagues when they're experiencing something like this, like a tragedy against another senseless killing of a black man? So let's get into it. The first thing that I, as a black woman, would love to see our allies, our black uh, our non-black excuse me allies doing is to speak out I think this is a really critical part of uh, effective allyship is using your power and your privilege to speak out against wrongdoing and injustices. Um, and speaking out could look like several different things it could be um it could be posting something or sharing something about your feelings about what happened, how it's wrong. it could be. Uh, creating a petition for people to sign. Uh, It could be crafting an article where you share your opinions or or creating a video. Um, But there are so many different ways that you can speak out. Um, It could also be reaching out to your local representatives to share your opinions and give them a piece of your mind and and share with them how you feel but speaking out is a is a critical part of allyship and that can look like a number of different things and now that we're in this era of social distancing a lot of the speaking out that we will be doing is going to be virtually and it's going to be online, but it's calling out injustices when you are in the face of it. When you see things, when you see something in New York, in the subway system, um, there are these signs that say, if you see something, say something. And what that basically means is that if you see something kind of fishy going on, you should reach out to the um, MTA workers and say something because you could prevent a crime from being committed. Um, So I'm of that same mindset, and I think it's really, really important if you call yourself an ally that you are speaking out and using your voice in ways that will educate and impact other people. So speaking out is a really important part of allyship. Also, another important part of allyship is talking to your inner circle. This is very important. Um, so I think that our, you know, there's research that indicates that the people that are closest to us have the greatest impact and influence on us. So, um, there's research that indicates that we are more likely to visit a restaurant or travel to a particular place within a country because of a recommendation we got from a friend or family member versus something we read online. So the people that are close to us have a great impact on our behaviors and our actions. And when when we witness friends, family, relatives uh, saying and doing things that are problematic and discriminatory, we need to call out that behavior. And this could look like sitting down with your aunt at Thanksgiving and telling her why what she said and did was racist. This could be stopping your friend mid-sentence after he or she or they say or do something that is problematic. Um, This could manifest in so many ways. And I'm going to leave an article, a really well-written and thought-provoking article by uh, Rachel Cargill wrote. And she's a really um, great person to follow on Instagram. If you're interested in learning more about racial equity. Uh, I follow her and I I find her to be very insightful, but she wrote an article for Harper's Bazaar on having conversations with family members during Thanksgiving, um, how to have difficult conversations with family members. So I'll find it and leave it in the show notes for you to read. Um, But it's understanding that the conversations that you have with close Friends and family is not going to be an easy conversation. And someone asked me recently a question of, "How do you or what do you do when you are having a conversation with someone, or you're in a diversity, equity, belonging, and inclusion training, and it gets awkward and it gets uncomfortable? How do you?" This person asked me, "How do you prevent that from happening?" And what I had to explain to this person is that you have to sit in the uncomfortableness and you have to be okay with being, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Things are going to be weird. Things are going to be, you're going to get anxious. You're going to get squeamish, but that's what it takes to to move the needle and to make changes. If you're If you're engaging in a difficult conversation and both of the individuals, or however many individuals are involved, are feeling happy and fine, then I don't think that you've done your job and that the conversation was effective. When you're talking about racism and you're calling out racism or discrimination when you see it, it's not gonna be a happy go lucky conversation. There's gonna be resistance, there's going to be defensiveness. And you're gonna, you have to prepare yourself for that. So I think that um, the second part of being an effective ally during times of tragedy is talking to people in your inner circle, and also recognizing that um, the conversation is going to be difficult, but it must happen if you want changes to be made and for changes to happen. A third way to be an effective ally during times of tragedy is to check in. This is really important. And I, you know, I like to see people that I'm close with who don't identify as black reaching out to me and just saying, hey, I see that another senseless killing of a black man happened. How do you feel? How are you doing? Do you want to talk about it? And you know some sometimes people might say, no, so you know, there might be something that happens and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to talk about it. And that's okay and you have to respect that. But I think that if you call yourself an ally, it's important to check in on your people. you know, check in, see how people are doing, especially those that you think will be um, more greatly impacted. For example, I don't have any children yet, but if I had a son, I think that what happened to Ahmad Arbery would, I, I think it would have me even more choked up and I'm really choked up about it because I have a black father, I have a black husband, I have a black brother, um, but I think having a son would just make it like, I, I can't even imagine and I just, my heart breaks for his mother, especially being that this is, today when I'm recording this is actually Mother's Day. Um, And I can't even begin to imagine. So, you know, checking in with the people that you call friends and family is important. Um, For me, it's really comforting to know that there are people who have my back and who are just who want to see how I'm doing and who want to see that I'm uh, I'm doing well. Um, So checking in with your people is 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 um, critical. Excuse me. And then the last part of being an effective ally during times of tragedy is you got to do the work on yourself. You know, self education is pivotal. And if you're not willing to look inside yourself and assess the behaviors and the mindsets and the beliefs that you hold that are problematic and that perpetuate stereotypes and prejudice, then you're not an ally. And I I think that all of us have more room to grow. And just because you're in the DEI or DEIB space, um, just because you do this work doesn't mean that you don't hold prejudice and racism and anti-Blackness within yourself. Um, so I think that even what, what's, what is the, the people that are the most difficult to change sometimes are the white liberals and the people who think that they're do-gooders, who voted for Obama, who loved Obama, who would have voted for Obama for a third term, who don't see themselves as racist and think that it's them and not me. And I think that that mindset blinds us to recognizing our own blind spots so it's important to do the work um, and recognize that it doesn't matter how many unconscious bias trainings you go to you we will no one will ever be completely free of bias and that's not the goal of these unconscious bias trainings. Um, you know, for me, when I do any sort of unconscious uh, bias workshops, the goal is recognizing the systemic and structural, uh, you know, systems, I want to say, but the systemic and structural uh, barriers that allow these uh, inequities to persist and to continue. So, um, you have to. We have to be able to recognize our privileges, and once we do the work and we recognize the blind spots and the privileges and the prejudices that we have, then we'll be able to make space for those who aren't afforded the same opportunities and privileges as we are. Um, so what does the self-education look like? Having more conversations with people who are different than you. And because, again, we are in the era of social distancing, that could be... Um, that could be having a virtual uh, meeting with somebody who's different than you reading books. There's so many books. One book that I would encourage you to read is, excuse me, uh, Layla Syed, uh, has a book called me and me and white supremacy. So I would encourage you to read the book. So it could also be watching shows, that are from watching shows that are about groups and people that are different than you. And I actually just wrote a article on this topic um, where I give you seven shows on Netflix that you should watch that are about different cultures and different races and that can teach you a lot about people from different backgrounds. Um, there is a show that I watched on Netflix called Orthodox, and it was about Hasidic Jews. And it was really, really fascinating. I learned a lot. There is another show called Cal- Caliphate um, that was really interesting. Um, and so there's so many shows, and again, I'm going to leave the article in the show notes, but I encourage you to just consume content and read books and talk to people who are from backgrounds that are different than you because a lot of the reason why our stereotypes and biases and racism persist is that we have little contact with people who are different than us. We stay in our silos and this doesn't allow us to get to know and understand people from different backgrounds. So um, until we realize that we are all interconnected, And that the struggle of one is the struggle of all, very little progress and changes will be made. So the last part of being an effective ally is the self-education piece. So I'm going to leave today's show off there. I hope you all um, found this this episode to be interesting and um, I hope you're doing well, you're staying safe and you're practicing self-love and self, you're practicing, excuse me, gratitude and self-love and you're just giving yourself the space to rest your mind, rest your body, relax and just, and just live and be okay. So, um, without further ado, I'm going to wrap this episode up, but I wanted to leave this episode with a quote by the late great Dr. Martin Luther King, who said that an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I'll check y'all out later. Thanks for listening.